Welcome to the Rocky Mountain Christian Church Podcast. Rocky is a community of believers who want to know Jesus and love like Him. Let's take a listen to this week's message. Oh, yes. yeah. Hey, give it up for the band one more time, both campuses. Come on. Uh, that song, Brother, uh, is by uh, the band Need to Breathe, one of my favorite uh, bands of all time. I got to see them at Red Rocks a couple years ago. They're coming back, so uh, if you haven't seen them, you need to go. Uh, I'm sure it's sold out. But anyways, a uh, good song. We're going to be talking about friendship today. We're going to be talking about friendship. I'm glad you're with us. Fred Campus, love you. Niwad Campus, everybody online, thanks for hanging out with us. We're excited about uh, this uh, series, uh, and we're right in the middle of summer. I got some big summer news for you guys. You're not going to believe this, but uh, this this summer, uh, I'm going to be running a 5K. Okay. Now, about half the crowd's like, that's awesome because you hate running like me. And then the other half of you are like, big whoop. Okay. But here's the thing. Uh, I, <laughs> I hate running. I really do. I hate running. Um, it, it just doesn't come natural to me. Uh, now, we go play a sport. We go play basketball. I, I could run all day. Go play soccer. I'll run. But running just for the sake of running, I really struggle with it. And this is kind of my, my second venture into seeing if I can become a runner. Because I tried this about 12, 13 years ago uh, because I went to uh, watch a marathon. I, I have a friend in Florida, John Gregory, used to uh, work with him years and years ago. It's a great guy, but he, he runs a marathon. He is a runner. He loves to run. And so he was doing this race in Virginia Beach and he asked me if I would come out and hang with him for the weekend. I said, I'm in, went out there and it was so much fun. I mean, thousands and thousands of people. It's a huge race. It's a Boston qualifier. Uh, and so, I mean, just some of the top runners in the world are there. And so just had a, a fun time with him that weekend. And so race day comes, we get up early, we get down to the starting line and, and uh, I mean, just thousands of people and just energy. You can just feel it, you know, it's just awesome to be there. And, uh, you know, the gun goes off and, and there they go. They, they start uh, running. And, uh, and then I went back to bed for a couple hours and then I got back up and I went to the finish line to, uh, to cheer on my buddy, John, who uh, was on his way. Now here, here's one of the things that I learned there that at these races, especially at the qualifiers, They've, they've got these runners, they're called pace runners. Really incredible that their job, what they're going to do is they're going to run at a certain pace the whole race and they're going to cross the finish line at the exact time uh, that, they are, that they've been given. And so at the beginning of the race, they've got uh, you know, their bib on that has their time. Some of them had signs uh, and they say, uh, like they're gonna, I'm going to run this race in this time. And so what the runners would do is, especially the ones that were trying to qualify for the Boston Marathon, they would find the pace runner uh, that they would have to be in front of. So they would find their guy and they would know, I will qualify if I'll be in front of this guy. And so these runners, uh, they would kind of huddle up into these groups at the beginning of the race. And so then at the end of the race, I was there probably about 200 yards uh, left in the race. I, I was there cheering. And what I noticed was I would see these pace runners coming and the group is, it was significantly smaller. Now there's only maybe 10 or five, or in some cases, a really quick time, just one or two. And, and I'm watching, it was so interesting the last couple hundred yards of the race because the pace runner would be talking with the runners. You can imagine, they've been running together for two, three, four hours. And the pace runner is telling them, you got it, you got it, you got it, go, 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 go. You've, you, know, you can see the finish line, you should go, 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 go. And, and in some cases, you would see the runner take off, right? He says, you gotta be in front of me, you gotta be in front of me. And then there were some runners that they were getting to the last couple hundred yards and they were falling behind, just a step or two. 
And the pace runner could not stop. He had to continue his pace. And I, I, there's a couple of moments I'll never forget where a pace runner is leaving runners behind and he is screaming at them, everything in the books to motivate them, to get them where they need to be. And in some cases, I remember watching this one runner a half step short of qualifying. And the emotion and the tears, I mean, I just never forget it, watching and witnessing it. And I left that weekend going, I'm gonna be a runner. I'm gonna be a runner. I wanna be part of this community. I'm going to run a marathon, okay? Now, heads up, I've never run a marathon. But that day, I said, I'm gonna run a marathon. And so I left, I went back home, and I said, I'm gonna run a 5K. That's what I'm doing, run a 5K. I'm gonna train, I'm gonna start with the 5K. And two months later, I ran a 5K, and here's what I learned, I'm not a runner. I'm just not a runner. I wanted to be a runner, but I'm not a runner because that 5K felt like a marathon. I can only imagine the difficulty of running a marathon because I about died running a 5K. And the reason why a lot of you haven't run a marathon either, because guess what? Running a marathon is hard. Did you know the US population, only 0.5% of our country has started and finished a marathon? 0.5. If you have finished a marathon, you're in an elite club. You wanna know why? Because running a marathon is hard and 26.2 miles is far. It's far. Fred Campus, if, I, if we were gonna run a marathon today, like if I just said, hey, uh, guess what? We're not gonna do church, we're gonna run a marathon and everybody's gotta run it. If you love Jesus, you gotta run it, right? And so I said, here you go. We're gonna run a marathon. Do you know how far we're gonna go? We're going to Coors Field. Coors Field from the Fred Campus is 26.7 miles. Some of you don't even like to drive that far with your kids in the car, let alone running. It is so far. Running a marathon is incredibly difficult. And yet here's the cool thing. I, I just, I read some things this week just about running and, and runners. I'm in week five of my training right now for, uh, for running my 5K. Um, did you know that you have been created, you have been designed for long distance running? It's very interesting in the science just of your body and your makeup and how your body works that you, of all the, you know, all the living things on this planet, all the creatures, you, humans, have been designed uh, to, to run the farthest. It's in very interesting. You, you're better than horses when it comes to running long distance. Aren't you encouraged? Farther than cheetahs. You, you run so much farther than dogs. It's pretty incredible, and yet we would all own this morning. We would all say, hey, listen, running a marathon is extremely difficult, which is why a lot of us aren't going to do it. And there's a whole lot of New Testament writers that begin comparing your life to running. They compare your life to a race. Why? Because just like running a marathon is difficult, so is life. I mean, when's the last time you were around somebody and they said, hey, you know what, marriage, it's easy. It's easy. Man, it's so easy. How many times have you been around somebody and go, parenting, piece of cake. Parenting, I mean, what a breeze. They told me it's going to be tough. I don't know what they're talking about. My kids do what I ask them to do all the time, right? Eating healthy, so easy. Man, I just love eating healthy. It's the best. It's not a challenge. Working out is easy. I have, man, uh, margin in my week. I manage my time so well. I'm killing it at work. I'm killing it at home. And I still have time left over at the end of the week to do whatever I want to do. Man, life is so easy. 
Uh, nobody says that. If they do, you want to punch them in the face, don't you? I mean, it's just, no, life is tough. This is what I love about the Bible. It keeps it real. Bunch of New Testament writers, I go, life is hard. And when you would ask them, go, hey, what is life like? A lot of them go, you know what life is like? Running a far distance. Why? Because running a far distance is tough. It's mentally, physically, even spiritually challenging. This is what the, the, the author in Hebrews, this is what they, they write about. This is Hebrews chapter 12, starting verse one. If you've grown up in church, you probably have heard uh, uh, this passage of scripture before. And here's the thing, if you're not a Christian, you can even apply the principles I'm gonna talk about today. But if you are a Christian, you should really lean in here. This is Hebrews 12, starting verse one. Therefore, the previous chapters talked about all these previous runners in life, all these heroes of the faith. Then you get to verse one. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of runners that have already come before us in this life, in this race, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run. Let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The best marathon runner ever is Jesus. It's Jesus. It's a, I know it feels a little bit like a Sunday school answer, right? I mean, when you were growing up, you went to church, right? And the teacher would ask you a question. There's always one kid that's like, Jesus. Like, that's right. But in this case, it's true. <laughs> Jesus, that's the right answer. The Bible, okay, it's Jesus here. Jesus is the best, best marathon runner. And the author of Hebrews says this, that if you want to run it well, if you want to run well in your life, then it would be wise for you to keep your attention on Jesus. Why? He's the best runner. He ran the best race, which is great advice, but it's incredibly difficult to do that. We all know that. I mean, the week is busy. Our lives are, are full of needs and demands and it's so easy to become distracted by things uh, a lot of times don't even matter. You become burdened and overwhelmed by things that are out of your control. This is life. And so if you're here today and you're going, Matt, okay, I get it. I'm going to run this race called life, but I could use some help. I'm glad you're here because I got you. I got a couple of tips for you about how to run your race a little bit better. So I got two pro tips, all right? Two tips from a pastor who doesn't like to run, all right? And these tips work if you will actually run, all right, in the context of you are going to go run a race, but it's also going to work in the context of your your life, the, the marathon you're running in life. It works both ways. So here's pro tip number one. If you want to run a better race and you should run with music, you should run with music. Running with music is better. Here's why. Because when you run while listening to music, you can actually boost your running performance by 15%. Isn't that interesting? If you run with music, you will run better. The science has proven it to be true. Turns out music helps you focus less of your attention on the fact that you don't want to be running. If you ever see me run, if, you, if I'm ever at the gym and you're there and I'm on the treadmill, you better believe I've got, you know, the, 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 the AirPods in because the first step, the first mile of my run, my whole body's going, why are we doing this again? 
Why are we here? You shouldn't be running. Who's, you know, why do you even do the race? Just go home, just, just stop. There's, I mean, I question everything about my life and you know there's something. You don't have to be running to know this is true, but when you're just, you know, somewhere, you could be shopping at Walmart and your song kicks in and you just get some energy, you know? This is how it is with running. You're in the midst of the race and you're, you know, you're in those miles and all of a sudden your song comes on and you just turn into Rocky running up them stairs for three minutes. All of a sudden you just got a little bit more energy. What is that? Your attention, your focus is no longer on you. It is on the song. You start changing the tune. You start rewriting the script that's going on in your head because in your head you're going, I don't know if you got it. And then the song comes on and you go, I got it. At least, at least for these next three moments, your feet get a little bit lighter, your stride gets a little bit longer. This is the, the power and the beauty of music. And as followers of Jesus in the context of life, this is worship. This is what worship is for us because when we worship, what we're doing is we're taking our eyes off of ourselves and we're setting our attention on Jesus. We remind ourselves who we are and we remind ourselves of who God is is we remind ourselves in worship that God's in control, not us. We remind ourselves that he is the one who saves people, not us. We remind ourselves that he loved us before we ever loved him. We remind ourselves that there's a day coming where he's gonna come back and make all things right. We remind ourselves that he also is a runner and ran the very race that you're running and I'm running. And again, I, I love the scriptures. Jesus, he'll, he'll keep it real about the race. He, he doesn't hold any punches back. Look what he says, John 16, verse 33. Jesus goes, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace because in this world you will have what? Trouble. Your race will be difficult, but take heart. Why? Because Jesus is the ultra marathon runner. He's already run it. He's been here and he's done that and he did it the best. See, there's gonna be some uphill moments in your race. There's gonna be some days where it's gonna be incredibly hot outside. You're gonna have some running injuries. It's not always gonna go the way that you thought it would. And Jesus would look at you and he'll say to you, I know you're feeling it. I know you're tired. I know the pace is grueling, but take heart, hold on. Just pause, hold that thought. Listen to what I'm telling you. You can take heart because I've been there and done that and I'm going to be with you all the way till the day you cross that finish line. You got it because I'm with you. You got it because I'm going to speak life into you. I'm going to remind you who you are. This is what worship does for you and does for me. Now listen, I know the preaching's good. I know it's good, okay? But you should get here in time for worship. You should get here. Worship is such an incredibly powerful moment for you in your run and in your relationship with Jesus. He recenters your heart and mind. It reminds you of all the things that you need to be reminded of because the voices in your heart and your mind are loud. And worship brings us back and allows you to set your affection on God. In the context of your race, you would be wise to do some singing 
in the midst of your running. So pro tip number one, get some music. Here's pro tip number two, again from a pastor who doesn't like to run. All right, here's pro tip number two. Run with a friend. Run with a friend. Here's what the science says, that runners run on average 20% farther when they run with somebody. 20%. You'll go 20% farther if you've got somebody else running with you. Here's a quote from one of the studies. It says this, the presence of the other runners activates social instincts that increase your maximum, and I love this phrase, suffering tolerance. <laughs> you running today? No, I'm just gonna practice suffering tolerance today. There's something in you that when you're running with somebody, you go, man, if, it, if it's not going well for them, it's not going well for me, at least we're just in this thing together. How far you wanna go? A little bit farther. Okay, I'm with you because I'm not gonna let you get ahead of me or behind me, I'm gonna stay with you. And you will go farther. The Bible keeps it real, it backs this idea. Ecclesiastes chapter four, verse nine. Look at this, very simply, two are better than one. There's so much benefit that comes with having somebody with you because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. But guess what? Three is even better. You're better in your race. If you have people that are willing to run beside you and with you, which means that you need to get involved in other people's lives and you need to allow other people to be involved in yours. It's incredibly important because the opposite of involvement is isolation. And isolation is a race killer. It's a race killer. This is Proverbs 18, verse one. I've, I've read this many times. It says this, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. Here's my translation. When you isolate yourself, you be dumb and do dumb stuff. <laughs> Why? Because you don't have somebody beside you who goes, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do that. Matt, that's not a good idea. I know, man, that sounds crazy. It sounds fun, but I don't think you should do that. When you are by yourself, come on, this is true. When you are by yourself, you can talk yourself into just about anything, can't you? Think about all the bad decisions you've made in your life. How many of those decisions did you make all by yourself? How many of you have done something in the past that you don't want anybody else to know because you're the only one who knows that you did it? We do this all the time. I mean, how many stories do you need to hear? about people making poor decisions in isolation before you go and get yourself some good friends. Just read the Bible. We spent four weeks talking about David. <laughs> every decision, just about every decision, poor decision that David makes, guess, what, guess when he makes it? When he's by himself. Imagine if he had somebody there with him. Imagine if he allowed somebody into his inner circle. He said, hey, I got this idea. David, what's, what's up? Hey, I'm thinking about sleeping with this dude's wife. And then if I have to, maybe killing them. What do you think? I don't think that's a good idea. That sounds dumb. I don't know if that's the race you wanna run. Maybe you should rethink this a little bit. I think you got your priorities off. See, when you're by yourself, you can talk yourself into and out of just about anything. Alan Algram, who is the, the founding pastor of, of Rocky, was a lead pastor here for many, many years. He is a relational guru. 
This is what he does now. He, he creates groups for pastors all over the country. He talks about this idea of friendship. And I just, over the years, I, I've, I've taken note of some of the things that he has said. Here, here's a couple quotes from Alan Algram. Great leaders have great friends. Great leaders have great friends. I've heard, him, I've heard him say this next thing a million times. The isolated leader is a vulnerable leader. You can put whatever words you want in there for leader. Husband, wife, whatever you want to put in there. The isolated person is a vulnerable person. And our lives will never be any richer than our relationships. Your friends and the people that you do life with is an incredibly big deal for how you run your race. And so here, here's the thing, we should be intentional about this. I mean, we, we have to intentionally cultivate friendships with people who want the best for us, not just something from us. We need the right people running with us in our race. And you might go, well, how do you do that? How do you do that? How do you get those kind of friendships? Here's how. You got to find the people that you can be extremely vulnerable with. Uncomfortably vulnerable. You need to have people around you that you allow them to see you. And I'm not just talking about Facebook you. I'm talking about all of you. And they still want to run with you. You let them see the mess. You let them see the muck. And here's what's unfortunate. That we live in this culture where we've been programmed. We only give people the best. This is what we do. We show up to church, how's your week? My week is great, and it's not. How are things going? Things are going awesome, and they're not. You need the friends that know you, and you know them. Uncomfortable, extreme vulnerability. Now that's not just for everybody, right? You're not gonna just walk around and get everybody in that level, but you gotta have somebody at that level. Jesus had his crew, and then he had his three. You would be wise to have people in your life, these ride or die kind of friends, they're friends, they're not Facebook friends. These are the friends that, that when it hits the fan, when you find yourself in that place at 1 a.m. in the morning, these are the friends you call. It's a different kind of friendship. These are the friends that you need in the context if you're gonna run a marathon, these are the friends you need at mile 20. And again, I haven't run a marathon, but I hear that somewhere between mile 13 and mile 20, things get really real. See, it's easy, mile one. I mean, the race starts, everybody's excited, you just start running. But when you get away from the crowds and you're out in the middle of nowhere, mile 20 gets real. There's this thing with, with marathon running. Here's some science behind it. Runners, on average, are gonna burn about 100 calories of glucose for every mile they run. So obviously in a marathon, you're running 26 point some miles. And here's the thing, your body can only store on average 2,000 calories of glucose. And that means that eventually somewhere along the way in the race, probably around mile 20, um, your body's gonna run out of uh, where it's getting its energy from and it's gonna have to figure out a way to give your body energy from somewhere else. So when you run out of glucose, your body begins to tap into your fat. And here's the thing about fat. It provides significantly less energy than glucose. So now your body's working just as hard, but only getting about half the amount of energy. This is what runners call hitting a wall. I've talked to some people this week who have run marathons and they'll say something like this. It was going well and then mile and they begin cussing. 
Mile 17, mile 18, mile 20, I started questioning everything about my life. I hit something. I hit this invisible wall and my body said, we're not doing this anymore. I was doing well, it was going good, I was feeling great, and then I got to mile 20. And I began thinking, is it worth it? Is it worth it? Is it true? Do I really need to be out here? Do I really need to be doing this race? Do I really wanna finish in this time? You're gonna have mile 20 moments in your life. Some of you are in a mile 20 moment of your marriage and you're thinking, is it worth it? Is it true? Is it worth it? Some of you are wrestling with your faith. You've got a mile 20 moment because you are bumping into an unexpected illness or an unexpected situation and it's mile 20 and you're thinking, is this worth it? Is it true? Is it worth being a follower of Jesus? And is it even true that he exists? Because man, this is mile 20. Mile one is easy. Mile 20 is different. You've run out of all the energy that you could have stored up inside of you. And now you're asking some of the biggest questions about life and about God. And I'm gonna tell you, if you're gonna run a good race in life, you need somebody there at mile 20 to remind you of truths that you know to be true, but you need somebody to say it to you. You need to have somebody you can call up and go hang out at Waffle House. Props to Waffle House. Good place. I've had some of the most spiritual conversations at 1 a.m. at Waffle House. Where I'll be with a friend or I, you know, I'm just going, man, let me just walk this through with you. This is where I'm at. This is where I'm struggling. And I, and man, I just even know, I don't know if it's worth it. I don't know if it's, it's true. And somebody can look at me and go, Matt, you know he's worth it. And you know it's true. You know God is with you. Yeah, I know, but I just don't feel like he's with me. He goes, yeah, but you know it's true. See, it's so easy to get up on stage and preach, and then it's different when you're a mile 20. When the people are real and the circumstances feel like they're just, man, they're just so heavy and you feel it and you can't go another step. And I have had friends do for me what I could not do for myself at mile 20. Well, they go, come on, you got another mile in you. I don't. Yeah, you do. Come on. I'll run with you, I'll run with you. It's too painful, I know it's painful, but come on, let's run. Keep going. I've been in covenant groups with other pastors over the years, where I've sat down with them in a safe environment, where I've walked through the tensions of being a pastor and leading in ministry, and they have said to me, you keep going. I know it's hard, you keep going. I've got friends in this church who I've called up at all different points of the week and different times of the day that I've sat down with it in mile 20 moments and go, I don't know. I'm struggling. I mean, I know the churchy answer. I know what you're supposed to say, but I, I don't know. And they go, you keep going. And I'll run with you. I'll run with you. Mile 20 friends are different than mile one friends. And you gotta be some friends. If they, you allow them to see everything inside of you and you see everything inside of them. And when it gets real, mile 20, you're still with each other. You're gonna need them. Because all of us, listen, you wanna like sum up life? 
I mean, you just want to explain your race. Here, here's, our, here's our race. You're either running into a difficult situation or you're in the difficult situation or you're running out of a difficult situation. Welcome to life. It's tough and it's hard and you're going to need people with you. You're going to need people that say, don't do it. Don't do it. I, wanna, I just want to walk. Don't do it. Keep running. You keep going. I don't want to keep going. Somebody comes alongside and he goes, what God say? What did Jesus do for you? Keep going. Keep your eyes on the prize. We've got a, a team from Rocky going to Africa this week, leaving on Thursday. Going to serve people in Kenya, working in one of the largest slums in the world. Eight years ago, when I went on my first trip to Kenya, I bumped into this phrase, this African proverb. Here's what it says. If you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, you go together. Friends, this race, this marathon of life is not a sprint. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. And here's what I know that if you try to go alone, you won't make it. You will not cross the finish line in the time that you would like, in the fashion that you would like. You're going to need some friends. You're going to need some brothers. You're going to need some sisters that a mile 20 can do for you what you may not be able to do for yourself. This is life. This is life. You need friends. You know, it's funny, after first service, I was out in the lobby and some people go, man, I, I really struggle with this. I just, I have friends for a season, but I, I don't know if I've got mile 20 friends, like friends for life. And I, I, I'm with you. I, I look at my life, I had friends for a season. They were with me at mile four or five or six. And then they went a different direction. And I can't always explain it, why God brings certain people together. David had Jonathan, it's just the way it works sometimes. But you have to be intentional, cultivate friendships in your life. Maybe you gotta show up at church a little bit more. Maybe you gotta be vulnerable and put yourself in a situation where you're gonna be around people. And I know some of your introverts are freaking out right now, but I'm just telling you, even if you're an introvert, you're running a race and you're gonna need some people. You don't need 50 people, but you need somebody who you can call on. I've got people in my life. I've got people in Florida, John Gregory, that I could call today and say, bro, I need you here. And he would be on the flight. I've got pastors from my covenant who live in Indiana that if I said, man, my life is falling apart, they'd be driving out here right now. And I've got friends in this church who so many times were willing to sit with me and to say things to the pastor that the pastor could preach, but he just needed to hear. You need those kind of friends. One day you're gonna cross the finish line. One day your life will end and you will see Jesus face to face. And we all need to be reminded that there is a day coming 
we will stand with the Almighty. Life is tough. It's painful. It's difficult. But you should keep running because it's worth it. You should hang on to that marriage. You should keep loving that kid. You should cross the road and get to know your neighbor. You should love your boss who nobody loves. You should give and use your resources to further the kingdom of God because one day, one day, your race will be done. And that's how we'll see how well you ran. So get some music. Get some friends and run the race that God has called you to run. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you that nobody loves us more than you. That you go before us and you show us the way. You just don't talk about how we should live. You sent your son down here to live it for us, to show us what it would look like. That before you call us to run this marathon, you sent your son to run it too. And I pray this morning you allow us to take a deep breath, especially for those of us who find ourselves in a tough mile. And even in the midst of pain and suffering and hardship, that we would keep our eyes on you. That we would do as the scriptures say, to take heart to talk about Jesus a little bit more, to sing about Jesus a little bit more because we have hope because he has already overcome the world. He ran his race to perfection. And so would you encourage your church this morning to run ours a little bit better? That we might be reminded that we can go a little bit farther, that we would take the eyes off of ourselves and set them once again upon you and that we would be wise enough to know that the difficulty of this race is extreme. And there are so many traps. There are so many difficult days. There are gonna be moments that we're gonna wanna give up. And I pray that you would allow the friends and the people in our lives to go, come on, you got one more because Jesus is worth it. So bring about the relationships that need to be formed in this room, that we would find the people <clears throat> in our lives that can do for us what we are unable to do for ourselves when the race is hard. May we be people as your church that are also looking for people who need to be reminded again of who they are in you and the race that you've called them to run. Father, we love you and we thank you for Jesus. It's why we are here because of the race he ran. And I pray that we will look forward to the day where we get to stand face to face. We love you. We thank you for Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. The church said, amen. Amen.